Welcome to the Love is Viral show. I'm your host, Jeanette Schneider, the founder and CEO of Live Media and the creator of the Live Pocket Coach on the Apple App Store. Our premise at Live is simple. A healthier you today leads to a healthier world tomorrow. Our guests include neuroscientists, therapists, professors, coaches, authors, yogis, speakers, entrepreneurs, and those who believe that a bigger, better life can be found at the intersection of mindfulness and science. Join me as we nerd out with a little bit of soul. The Love is Viral show is a live media production. Maury Fontenez forecasts a new era of business that will emphasize the importance of emotional intelligence and create seismic shifts in the behaviors leaders will have to embody in order to be successful. Maury is a purpose coach and the founder and CEO of 822 Group. After a successful career in corporate America, a critical truth became clear to Maury. Many companies operate without a true sense of purpose because their leaders do not understand their own higher purpose. Many hardened business executives still operate from a place of scarcity and fear rather than alignment with their higher calling. They've lost their connection with their own GPS. This non-alignment shows up in many ways in the day-to-day operations of companies and they need a new system. In this episode, we discuss the shift from an old framework of power dynamics to one of connection, empathy, social good, and success, why leaders need to find their purpose again and allow mission-driven values to embed themselves into the company DNA, the value of investing in leadership, and why performance reviews should be reviewed and possibly even blown up. That was my addition. The daughter of Iranian immigrants, Maury spent her childhood in New Mexico and Colorado before relocating to Maryland. She climbed the corporate ladder to become a managing director of strategy at a global PR firm. As a woman of color in a white and male-dominated corporate world, she leaned into her differences, seeing them as her superpower rather than an obstacle. This instilled a strong sense of loyalty and respect from her coworkers and employees, which greatly influences Maury's coaching methodology to this day. Let's dig in. Hi, this is Jeanette Schneider, and welcome back to the Love is Viral show. I am here today with Maury Fontanez. Thank you for joining me. Hi, it's so nice to be here. Absolutely. I love what you're about. I am. I have been arguing and like yelling about how we are in an unprecedented and amazing time for new yeah. leadership. And rather than... Me talking, too. Yeah, like rather than <laughs> talking about how everything's bad, let's talk about what we're doing to like lift it up and fix it. And so I wanted to dig into it with you because I know that that's really where you are. You work in organizational leadership and you are talking right now about the era of connectedness and how we need a new type of leadership. And I'm all ears. So tell me what you are feeling right now. Absolutely. I mean, wow, what an open and amazing question because I could go on forever. But, you know, I really, I come from a background of strategy and PR and marketing and worked on the agency side for almost 20 years. And I started to notice maybe 10 years ago that, uh, you know, purpose started to become something that people really wanted to talk about because business leaders understood that that's what society was asking for and that the purchase power of the consumer was demanding it. Um, But what was missing for me is that I wasn't sure the leaders really understood what that meant. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, leaders are really good about knowing what to say and when to say it, but to intrinsically absorb it at a cellular level and embody it 
um, is a different thing. And so my hunch at that point was, uh-oh, we're on the verge of a crisis here because what's going to happen is these brands are going to promise very mission-oriented things, and then they don't have the DNA to take action that's mission-oriented, and then people are going to be very upset. And so I think that's what we're seeing right now in a lot of um, people with a lot of access to platforms that give them a voice, uh, being able to stand up and say, wait a minute, you, first of all, are in a position of power. And secondly, you've promised us that you're mission oriented and your employees are really mad at you, or you made a really bad decision around sustainability that's polluting the environment or whatever it might be. So when I say era of connectedness, it's actually the title of a blog post I just wrote one day a year ago, where I started to talk about, you know, I think that business finds itself and, and you know, the economy finds itself in different eras. There's the industrial age, it came in, it changed the way people did business, mom and pop shops, you know, started to go away and everything was industrialized. The next wave that was really that seismic was the digital era where, you know, digital came in, social media was king, and it really changed the way that people did things. I mean, look at Netflix as an amazing case study. And I am hypothesizing that the third big seismic wave is this era of connectedness, which is where our uh, society, which includes your customers and your employees, are starting to realize that there's something more that we need to be connected to one another in order to thrive, that surviving is no longer enough. And as this awakening happens, uh, I really believe that there is going to be a focus on leaders, whether that be governments or institutions or business, to say, so what are you doing to connect us? And what are you doing to divide us? And watching the way that things are going, I genuinely believe business has a unique opportunity to step up and own this space because I don't think the other institutions are doing it very well. I, yes, yes, all the yes. <laughs> like I'm all about this right now. And from my background, um, I was in uh, the financial industry um, mm-hmm. in finance and um, it, it was a male dominated industry with kind of a patriarchal overlay of, 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 the way the systems of power work, right? And when you talked about yeah. not having it in their DNA, like I, I got that so viscerally because I think that we have all of these books with like the big fonts and the aggressive print. They're like how to lead, how to blah, you know? And it's like be the CEO and, you know, yeah. all these aggressive titles that are like, this is the way you do it. Here's the formula. This is what success means. Yeah. And that doesn't work anymore. So over time, it's like they have hired these marketing teams and these CSR consultants and these people to come in and say, how do we make um, female consumers consume? How do we how do we show that we are doing more as a global citizen? We haven't changed the books. Like right. we haven't changed the leadership plan. We haven't told them like, hey, there's something different. What I love is that there are so many employees right now who are like, I want more from you. I'm a whole person. I have a child. You see my kid on my Zoom calls, you know, like I need more from you. You need to see me as a whole individual. Yeah. And I love, I love the the press. And what I, I feel is that sometimes having studied corporate social responsibility and socially responsible investing, 
I feel like there's this peer pressure that happens and it's it's it started years ago with like com- uh, employees wanting companies to be more socially responsible and they started doing different things and you know checking their OSHA standards and doing reporting right but it's it's almost like the next wave of like how are we going to get it right what do you yeah. think that organizations who are serious like they're going to put their money where their mouth is what do they need to do with their leadership teams right now it really starts with investing in your leaders and cultivating in them their own humanity. Mm. I think that coaching has got to change. Um, You know, that's why we talk about coaching very differently at 822 Group. For us, it's purpose coaching because we need to start seeing leaders as whole individuals, as complete human beings. And one of my you know, points is that I think our leaders have lost their connection to their higher selves. They've lost their connection to their purpose, which is what I call your GPS. And when you don't have that navigation system working any longer, it's easy to let investors drag you in one direction and then let data drag you in another and to lead in this almost frenetic way. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important that, um, if you really care about this, that you look at leaders as people that you want to cultivate and that it's very important that their purpose is aligned with the job they're doing. That when they come in to lead a company or a program, that they really are aligned with your mission, that they are the right person for the job, not just because they know how to make money for you, but because they walk and embody what the brand stands for. Mm. I love that. So I have a question that's popped into my head and it's probably, I kind of feel like we also need to actually look at the way we evaluate employee performance. And Mm -hmm. so many times leaders are subjected to, they have their own performance review and it's usually based on how the employees below them are doing. And then they, those employees are subjected to an employee performance review that is exactly on the job description and a lot of times stacked against them so that you don't have to pay bonuses, what have you. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm curious if, like, if you bring someone in and you're investing in their, in their purpose work and their humanity, making sure that their words match what it is that they really soulfully believe that they're doing, mm-hmm. um, what should we, I, I feel like we're almost going to have to kind of blow up the way we measure people. hundred percent. I think right now the problem with performance reviews is that we really want them to be quantitative. Mm-hmm. And so we are indoctrinated to a certain set of beliefs about what success looks like in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And that's what we reward. And I, you know, people always ask me, where do you see the most chaos come from? And I always say it's from a chaotic leader who rewards chaotic behavior. Mm-hmm. And in this day and age, in this era of connectedness, that chaotic behavior are things like competition, like being cunning, like cutting off your colleague at the knees. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I've worked in places where things like that were rewarded. Why? Because to the leader that looked like, well, we're going to win. Online. Uh, It's all about like, if we can get a shark in, in who cares who falls out if we're making our money. Exactly. So I think it's about shifting how we're reviewing our employees, right? I mean, first of all, you have to be in touch with the values of the organization and they can't just be words that are written in a manual, but it's got to be, how are you conducting yourself day in and day out? What do we stand for? And how do you help us stand for that? Mm -hmm. How are your behaviors displaying things like collaboration and empathy 
and the ability to see other people for whole individuals. How do you interact? How do you engage? How do you inspire others? You know, where are you avoiding conflict and chaos because you're so self-aware and so direct in your communication and so empathetic? Those are values that we need to start to look for in people and reward in the way that we are assessing them. I love that. I was having a conversation with my team actually, because we're talking about as we, we build the, the, the type of values that we have that they're already present, but as we start building out kind of team structure and yeah. someone was like, oh, well, you know, if we're going to bring on a salesperson, we really need to make sure that they feel, and I'm like, whoa, like I, <laughs> we, we have to make sure that we incent them, but we also have to make sure that we don't create a toxic environment where people are pit against each other. And right. I think that that's one of the things people have done in the past is they may have written this great, you know, mantra of core values. And this is what we stand for. And we want everyone to come up from within and we want to, to develop you, but then they're also that shareholder, you know, mm-hmm. like, well, we, we have to report to our shareholders. We have to report, you mm-hmm. know, our, uh, to our investors. And it creates almost a dynamic of fear mm-hmm. that I think they forget all of the values, all of, all of the employees, the employees just become like, how do we make the number so that we can answer to the person who's paying us or who yeah. has skin in the game. And so yeah. it, it is a complete remaking of the way we view of the way we view business. But I also have seen a lot of B Corps get it right. And I'm seeing a mm-hmm. lot of companies who are starting to like figure it out. Do you, do you see any examples of that? Or do you have like any kind of anecdotal evidence of where things are going well in, in the market? Yeah. I mean, I think that in every industry, you're going to see a few brands that are starting to lead the way and get it right. Um, and I think that you know, what I loved was, I think it was in the fall, the business roundtable released a statement saying, you know, here are some of the most powerful CEOs in the world coming together to say purpose is our number one priority. Um, and so I think that without, you know, really going in and, and find, digging into a case study, actually, if we open our eyes and just pay attention to what are brands doing to demonstrate that they walk the walk, one. Two, I think the most telling thing is watching leaders when they're managing a crisis. Mm. How are they conducting themselves? Are you able to connect to something that feels accountable and authentic in that person? Um, And then where did they land on the other end of it? And I think that we're starting to see examples bubble up here and there. I have to be honest with you, it's not enough. I think sometimes I worry that I'm seeing a lot of good marketing. Um, And you know, what's beneath that right now, for example, on the discussion of race and diversity, I think that a lot of brands understood very quickly they needed to say something and I'm proud that they did. Um, but the action behind it is going to be really, really important because as I always say, anytime we're consulting in those situations, it's like, yeah, diversity is important, but inclusion is the more important part of that word. And so it's going to take working on yourselves to create that kind of inclusivity. So I think I, you know, went a roundabout way, but I think there's still work to be done. I think that we are seeing leaders step up and do it. I was just listening to an interview with um, Dorsey from Twitter, and he was actually really open about, we got to keep changing. Nothing that we are doing is right today because everything is evolving. And I like that he said that. I think there's a lot of criticism around the way Twitter has handled stuff, but look at what they're doing now. Look at the stand that they are specifically taking around misinformation on social media that some of their 
um, competitors are uncomfortable with. Not only is Live Like a Life Coach in your pocket, but we have coaches in 3D as well. With our most recent upgrade, you can sign up for one-on-one coaching with a person on the phone who will hold you down, hold you accountable, and offer you perspective as you build your big, bad, beautiful new life. Apple users can sign up for our Premium Plus plan through the app or check out our next level and mastery options at loveisviral.com forward slash coaching. Android users, we haven't forgotten about you. Live Coaching is available to you as well. Just reach out to us at dearlive at loveisviral.com and we'll fill you in on all the ways Live can create with you. Live Pocket Coach, welcome to your life. Yeah. Well, and I think that sometimes it's the brave leadership, right? It's being willing yeah. to step up and say, hey, we've, we've done it wrong rather than a PR line. I, I agree with you. I do think sometimes the first people to the table are the marketing team mm-hmm. um, to figure out how to manage it. And what I would like to see, and this is something that's bothered me throughout my entire career, was like, you need to see it kind of, okay, now what? Now that we've... Right resolve the crisis. Have you actually fixed pay parity? Like there's still a huge gap in, yep. in gender pay parity. And it's almost like we kind of like, Oh, but we've given money to these issues and we've done this and we've done that, but we still haven't gotten to the thing or created a plan to get us out of this mess. I would love yeah. to see the company that steps up that says we have a problem. We've realized it. It's going to cost us a lot of money. And, and here's our plan over the course of the next five years to fix it. Yeah. I, I'm like, hallelujah, do that. But then I think they're afraid of lawsuits because you have legal across from marketing, right? <laughs> well, and you have leadership who, I don't know that they've fully processed why they're resisting the change. Yeah. You know, I think oh, that point. is really important. I think we can't just keep saying brands need to do X, Y, and Z and leave the leader out of it. Yeah. The leader has to understand what they were taught and then what they need to dismantle within themselves or what they're resisting so that, you know, so like, you know, gender parity and pay, there's a lot of male leaders that'll tell you that that's ridiculous. But if it comes down to the day-to-day, what's happening in that day-to-day that you're resisting and why, mm-hmm. what has allowed you to maybe not see what's going on um, or not address things in like a microcellular way mm-hmm. that goes back to the person. And that's why I say it's about their humanity first. That's really interesting. I I was actually um, previously with my previous career, we were considered like a top firm for women to work, uh, working Mm -hmm. mom, working women, whatever, gave us all these reviews, top diverse, whatever. But then when it came to actually um, the shareholders had requested that we show pay parity across the institution and they'd sent something out to all employees asking us to vote against it. And I was like, Mm. Why? <laughs> like, why? Yeah, we, exactly. Why? So I, I, yeah. I think that that's important for the leadership themselves to actually take, take a look. For those who are starting to come up, because one of the things I think is really interesting is that we are now in a situation where more millennials are moving into positions of leadership. And I've mm-hmm. never been a millennial hater. Um, I have enough data and facts um, to, to prove that they're, they're coming in and and taking over an executive leadership roles with a, a lot, a, a much different mindset than I think mm-hmm. previous generations did before. So I think it's a really fascinating time to watch them move into positions of leadership. For yeah. that set who are moving in and they're stepping into positions of leadership and taking over companies or starting their own startups, where do you tell them to start when it comes to having that conversation with themselves? 
You know, I think that right now what is trendy is the idea of being self-aware and woke and um, that it feels like rays of sunshine. I think I've talked about this before in other interviews where female entrepreneurs are really being asked to carry forward this brand of like, you know, light and love and good and, you know, you know, boss lady who can do it all and raise her kids. Um, and where I'm really asking that generation to just stop and think is to make sure it is intrinsically, again, cellularly a part of who they are, mm. that it is not a trend, but that they've really absorbed what it means to be an empathetic leader, that they've done the work with themselves so that when they're challenged, they can accept that challenge not as personal, but as growth. Mm-hmm. That when they are seeing someone who disagrees, that they can see a human across the table and interact with that person as a human being. Um, and I do think that this generation is capable of that kind of monumental transformation. But I do think that it's important to call leaders' attention, especially newer and younger leaders. Don't get wrapped up in what it takes to get it done. Remember why you wanted to do this. What I think right now, being a purpose coach, the thing about the millennial generation that gets me so excited is that they believe in purpose mm-hmm. more than most other generations. Yep. And I think for me right now, I'm just so hopeful that we don't lose that belief and we don't lose that track of purpose because we then get into situations where we also have people to please um, and we want to portray an image of something that we haven't absorbed internally and done the work on. Oh, that's so powerful because I feel like I'm dealing with this right now. Sometimes I have interviews and I'm like, this is exactly, you know, kind of the stuff that I'm thinking through or dealing with. And I have struggled with this idea of toxic toxic positivity and wokeness and what that means because I believe I live in in two worlds, right? I came from the male-dominated finance industry and I am also in the self-development. You know, we've we've developed software to help people with wellness and well-being and um, help companies with their CSR goals and help helping mm-hmm. their employees to be healthier. And in the, in the, in the time of the influencer, right. It's almost like how do leaders show up in this period of time and any marketing team you hire will tell you, we need you to be on Instagram and it needs to have this filter and it needs to have this. And I've played yeah. that game before, but I think what's really interesting is that it's not truly showing the actual experience of the individual. It's the prepackaged, mm-hmm. right? So um, I'm curious from your perspective of kind of like this idea of toxic positivity or the wokeness that's being kind of presented upon leadership in mm-hmm. a very digital time. Yeah. Like what's your what's your take? On toxic positivity? Yeah. And, and like what do you – what would you – how would you help someone navigate that? Because I think there's a lot of pressure – to market ourselves in leadership and to have a message, but that doesn't necessarily show all the stuff underneath, right? Like you said, it's not necessarily part of who you are yet. Yeah. Well, listen, I think part of the positivity game right now is also coupled with the word authenticity. Mm -hmm. And I think that if that is something that you want to talk about, you have to realize that at the end of the day, you are left with yourself. And if you can sit there with yourself and truly feel that the things you said were in line with the ways that you acted, especially when you were being challenged or felt anxious or were filled with fear, 
if you are able to still consistently behave in the same manner that you speak, then you're okay. But my counsel in this realm of toxic positivity is you, it's all about self-awareness. And if you're able to, at the end of the day, live with yourself because you're really being authentic, great. If not, then you're really not doing anything different than other generations. Yeah. You're just using the word of the day to get ahead. Yeah. Which is why we're mad at the boomers right now, right? <laughs> Pick a generation. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, really look at yourself and be honest with yourself. Um, and again, I think that of... of all generations. I, I love that. I think that, you know, millennials are really able to have that kind of self-awareness, but I think it's a muscle you have to build. And the thing I'll say is, you know, yes, in the era of social and trying to keep up, you know, there's a lot of things that catch people's eye, but I still believe that consistency is the most powerful thing. Mm. Uh, not jumping from one thing to the next actually shows people who you are. Yeah. Uh, really believing in something and asking yourself, what do I stand for? And staying on that path, even when it's not, you know, trendy to do it. That's what speaks volumes about you. Yeah. I love that. I, I've had this conversation recently. Um, and I think especially because of the fact that we're dealing with kind of like a long-term low-level traumatic situation, right? Everyone's going through, we're all experiencing um, a prolonged traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. And it's hard in a lot of ways to really wrap your mind around sometimes. Um, I think what you, what you stand for and who you are with all of the information we're, we're getting when everyone's just trying to kind of manage and maintain. And I, I, I feel for people who are, especially if they're having to remake their careers right now, Right. There's a lot of people who are trying to remake their careers. And I think I keep coming back to that every single morning. What is my why? Why am I doing this? Like I literally wrote it out. I wrote out my why. (laughs) And every morning when I feel the heaviness of the day, not saying that every morning I wake up like that, but lately things have been, you know, it's, it's a little bit crazy out there. Um, but I think sometimes we forget that why in the pursuit Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it means a lot to us in the beginning, but as we're starting to build the muscle, as we're putting the habits into place, sometimes we forget the reason Mm -hmm. that we wanted to do it in the first place. So I think Mm -hmm. that that's an excellent practice of keeping that, keeping that in mind when you have external forces. Yeah. Well, and the medicine for that is to really stay present in what it feels like in your body when you've forgotten your why, Mm, right? Make note of that. What happened here? Oh, I forgot my North star. How did that feel? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't feel good. And so if right now we're about surviving and living through this trauma, then we've got to find the moments of of joy and peace of mind. And part of that for each of us is to stay really centered in that why. Otherwise, it literally feels badly in your body. I love that. I've talked about like a preferred internal state. Like, you know that you want Mm -hmm. to be in this preferred internal state. You know that you choose joy or happiness or calm or presence or whatever it is so that if things come into your life that take you off of that path, you notice it right away. I think it's just right now people are feeling a little bit more muddled than they ever have before. Absolutely. And so it's harder to remember some of those practices or mindsets when things aren't going well, but that's when you learn resilience. My poor kiddo, I was 
telling her the other day, she's like, mommy, I hate COVID. She's like, I wish it was a person so I could punch it in the nose. <laughs> and I was like, well, baby, I agree. But this is the way that we learn resilience. At some point in time, you're going to say, oh, this hard thing, no problem. I have experienced right. something more difficult and I was good. I'm fine. She's like, yeah. is that why there's a lot of songs about that? What doesn't kill me makes me stronger. Are they all <laughs> resilient? And I was like, wow, you're way too smart. She's so smart. Yep. Yeah. It was hilarious. I'm like, that is resilience. And I think it's, it's so powerful. I'm personally really excited about what's possible and mm-hmm. what could come from this. What right now lights you up? What, what brings you joy or makes you excited about what's happening? I am so excited by how these different traumas are bringing people together. Mm-hmm. I seriously love how I'm seeing so many different people have such amazing conversations and then come together and collect to make a change or make a difference or to innovate together or to be creative. I actually think that we're going to look back and be like, wow, there was a bubble of innovation and creativity that came out of that trauma that is so interesting. But I really think when I say connectedness, I think this was the tool to like push us into that era. I think we're realizing how much we need each other. I think being away from each other has really taught me and others, you know, how much we mean to one another and then what we can accomplish when we come together and also how not to let people that are divisive win. I think we're seeing divisiveness under a microscope right now. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to unsee it. And I think before divisiveness was very under the radar. Um, So that's the other thing that gives me hope. I haven't even, I felt like it's, it's, there's been more of a a light shown on the different media networks, the different divisive techniques and stuff like that. But I mean, you're absolutely right. Like I find myself going onto my feeds and I don't even want to be on Facebook right now. Right. And it's, it's not, it's, it's simply there's, you're realizing, um, how difficult, I don't know. Like I, I love all of the mothers who've come together to figure out how to homeschool their children together. I love all of the people who've come together to figure out new science and technologies and, and what have you to get more PPE out or with manufacturers or whatever it could be. And then you see some of those things. So like that just hit me, um, because I think you're absolutely right. I think we're seeing it. And for the first time, we're making a choice about it. Right. Where I think it was just under, like it was just a quiet current and we kind of maybe ignored it or just pushed it away. Yeah. And now you actually yep. can make a choice. And yeah. more people are kind of choosing what they're putting in their heads. Which right. Exactly. So incredibly valuable. Well, I, I know that you know, um, the, the name of the platform, of course, is Love is Viral. And the whole point behind it, I'll tell you the quick and dirty story. Um, my daughter named it because uh, I was telling her, I'm like, you know, I'm trying to decide what to name my company. And her name's Olivia. And so I said, should I name it after you? And she says, well, what if Liv stood for something? You believe that people should love themselves. And it's a media company, so you want love to go viral. But it took on more of a meaning as we kind wow. of got involved because... The more that you love yourself, the more influence you have on your children, your loved ones, people around you, your community. So what advice would you give to someone to make love go viral or how are you doing it in your life now? It's empathy. I really believe that the tissue that's going to connect us is empathy. And it does start, you're absolutely right, with having it for yourself. I think we are the, have the worst beat up sticks for ourselves. 
So it's time to kind of put those sticks down. I always tell my clients that I'm coaching, if they have kids, I say, would you let someone talk to your child that way? Mm-hmm. And if not, why is it okay for you to do that? So I think it's really starting by turning that inward. But then, you know, empathy for me is about getting curious about other people and just suspending assumptions and judgment and listening and figuring out what is it that you can take away from that that's not about you. I always say empathy is about understanding others, about putting yourself in the middle of their story. Um, And I really believe that right now we need to cultivate that skill set more than anything because that's what's going to allow us to see each other and to see solutions and to, you know, something I've been talking a lot about lately is choose abundance over scarcity, to choose that we can all succeed together and not buy into this old nonsense that there's only limited resources out there and there's only one way to be successful. Mm, I love that. I think it's so incredibly valuable, especially the idea that um, empathy for other and suspending judgment. I was like, what if we decided to believe nothing at this point in time? What if we entered every conversation as a blank slate without trying to convince someone of our dogma or our belief or, or to get them over to our side? Um, how fascinating would that be? Because there's so many, so many other, other cultures and belief systems and ways of being and relating um, that are so incredibly valuable. And I, I do think in a lot of ways, and this has been maybe to our detriment in the past, which I also think that this pandemic has brought to light, we may have been thinking of abundance as being very specific material items. Like I've seen a lot of people who are like, you know, God wants me to be abundant and they've got a picture of like a car that they want in the background or whatever. And it's, it's funny because I think that people have rethought what all of that means and what's actually important to them. Um, Absolutely. And I think that that's been incredibly valuable. I think that what you're doing is incredibly valuable. And I'm so glad that we have people who are thinking about new leadership and what this looks like and, and speaking and coaching on it. If people want to follow you or get more information, where can they go? Well, first of all, thank you. That's really amazing to hear. Um, You can find our website at 822group.com. And then you can follow me at Maury Fontanez on Instagram and on LinkedIn. And I publish a lot of my thinking in, in blogs and videos. So I'd love for everyone to join the discussion. I love that. And we'll include links in the show notes. And I just want to say thank you very much. This was a great conversation and I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining today. I absolutely agreed with Maury's premise that employees and clients want more, and that is what they deserve. I also shared her excitement for what's to come. You can find Maury online at 822group.com, on LinkedIn Learning, or IG at Maury Fontanez. As always, please subscribe, leave a review, and don't forget to share with your friends. We are always interested in content that uplifts, so if you have ideas, we'd love to hear from you email us at dearlive at loveisviral.com. You can also find us on Instagram at loveisviral.media or visit our website at loveisviral.com. Apple users, don't forget to give the Live Pocket Coach a try by downloading it for free for seven days.